0: Welcome to the Team Genius Podcast. Great teams don't just happen, but they can happen for you when you know what to do. Here to show you how to build your dream team, George Fashing. Hello and a very warm welcome to the premiere episode of the Team Genius Podcast. Now this podcast is finally here. It's been a long time coming. I've been thinking about uh, getting into podcasting for quite a while. I finally put those thoughts into action and uh, here we go. First of all, always start with why, as uh, Simon Sinek said, why is this podcast here now? I believe we are still missing focused information, a focused forum where we're talking about deep work that is required by practitioners such as ours, by team development specialists, by team coaches, who are very keen on learning, who want to achieve what's best for the team, give the team what's best for the team, who are not shy to put in the work, to put in the learning, and are always staying with it. For people like ours, for people who truly believe that dream teams are no unicorns, for people who believe that with the right amount of skill and knowledge, and investment. Every team can really become a dream team for people like us. I believe let's focus more and exchange more about uh, what we can do here. I see myself sitting at the intersection between several worlds. One is the world that I've roamed in for the last 10 years, I would say, which is uh, related to team development in the agile sphere and agile ways of working also in the general work of teamwork from the past 20 years or so, and then in the specific world of professional coaching and in particular professional team coaching for the last five years or so. There is an overlap between what is happening in the agile world and what is happening in the professional coaching world. There are also some key differences, but that's probably a topic for another episode. There is a great amount of benefit that we can gain, though, from these different worlds. And that is something that I also seek to establish through the Team Genius podcast. Something else that I'd like for us to bear in mind is what this podcast could be like. There are many different formats out there and uh, they all have their pros and cons. I think of doing a mix here and keep that in balance. Some of the episodes will be like this. It will be me sharing some uh, thoughts, observations from my experience with an invitation to uh, reply and comment. Other episodes will be more interview format style where I'm inviting some people who have had their fair share of experience in the work that we do on here so that we can together in the community further our learning and put all the great work to bear for the benefit of the teams that we're working with. Then we, the question arises, well, what shall actually be the subject of the first episode? And it is called Team Genius Podcast, so that might be a natural place to start, but it is also a little bit too obvious, so I'm going to park that for also another episode. What I thought might be quite nice for the first episode was to look at some myths surrounding teams. Uh, When I was younger, I was a big fan of the TV show Mythbusters, and perhaps today's episode could be a little bit like that. Now... Team myths. There are quite a few of them out there and perhaps in some areas the first one that would be useful to address is that teamwork just happens. And of course that is not so. <laughs> teamwork doesn't just happen. Some type of teamwork happens but the great teamwork, the type of teamwork that would be described and the experience that would be described as a dream team experience, that is not Automatic. It requires work, it requires skill, and it doesn't just come about. Uh, there is a natural development that groups and teams uh, go through. However, without support from somebody who knows not only theory, but also practices to advance that and ensure that it is a skillful and enjoyable process, it just takes its time. Nowadays, there is not much time to spare, of course. So that's why professionals like us are coming in, right? Team facilitators, team coaches, team leaders, team managers. We are there to support the team on their journey. That actually is a nice segue to the second myth that simply having a team leader, team manager, even project manager, or whatever label there is for the role that we do, that's all that is required for the team to be working as best as they can. And that's yet another myth. It's uh, not so simple, right? First of all, it's not only about that person. It is also about environmental condition that surrounds the team. Yet again, that is the topic of uh, another episode that is already in the program, the sixty thirty ten rule that was uh, delivered by uh, J. Richard Hackman, one of the greats in uh, professional team coaching. In the beginning, the team really needs the support from uh, somebody who is skilled in team development. So that is a core team leadership or a core leadership skill that needs to be acquired and uh, developed. It can, of course, be learned. Some people will be more passionate about it than others. It does require knowledge and skill of how to do it. So simply because a team has a team leader or a team manager or a team coach or team facilitator doesn't necessarily mean that a dream team can unfold. There is a lot more to it. There is another myth that is related to the size of teams. Now, that is actually quite a juicy subject. It keeps coming up. some of you this might already be common knowledge but it is worth reiterating because even though it is common knowledge a team that is larger than the suggested size is also all too common unfortunately so when we're looking at team sizes we are looking at ideally seven plus minus two because we have a need for a cross-functional team a self-sufficient team that can do everything that is required in order to create value and put it in the hand of the end user with that Size. we are looking at actually a wider band on the low side. We could start a team with just three people. Two people is a pair, is not necessarily a team. We don't really have that exchange of different viewpoints with two people that we start to see with three people. That's what we want in a team, right? So we're starting a team with a size of three. We're not going beyond nine, but why? We would think, well, more people more ideas, right? But more people also requires more decision-making, requires more learning. And there's a really nice formula that you can use in order to help others appreciate what the impact is of adding more people to a group. And that formula is n times n minus one divided by two. It is not a scientific formula. It is more a tool for conversation, If you stick different numbers in there, you will see the number that comes out for any team size up to nine people seems quite manageable. But as soon as we start to go into the double digits and add more and more team members in or group members in, we start to see that then the number of communication links that comes out of this formula actually rises geometrically. I was corrected by somebody who is much better at maths than I am. I originally said exponentially, but I was told that it's a different type of curve, exponentially and geometrically. I don't know the details. I'm not a mathematician. You know, I'm a team coach. But the important thing is that the more people we add later on, the number gets bigger a lot quicker and quicker and quicker. At that point in time, we're already way beyond the size of teams anyway. I know that in some organizations, department heads are calling their departments teams as a term of endearment and that's nice but of course we know that that's not reality right a team is a small group of people that collaborates daily with increasing levels of trust rallied around a common goal if we go in a size beyond nine team members that just gets more and more tricky every learning every decision making every idea exchange has to go through that many communication links. The next myth that would be useful to include here is one that has come about more and more over the last years as technology has improved. Remote teams are just as quick at becoming high performing as face-to-face teams. And that just is not true. We have so much data that shows us that that is not true. Now, that is not to judge in any sort of way remote working. I am very grateful that I have the freedom to do much of my work remotely. Also, for teamwork, it just is not as effective. There is a lot of communication that is happening face-to-face that can at this point in time not be conveyed using electronic means. We'll see what augmented reality, virtual reality holds for us but I still have my doubts that that will be exactly the same. We just need to be aware of that. So if you do have the possibility and you work in an organization where the team is distributed, I would still strongly encourage you to find ways for the team to get together in the beginning for team kickoff activities and then regularly as often as you can manage for team refreshes, team activities, celebrations, joint team learning, doing those in person. And if the team is truly time-bound because it is a project team instead of a product team, Then at the end, it is also very good to team uh, get back together to help them to put things to a close together and thank each other for the respective contributions that they've made. So although technology has gotten so much better, conferencing tools, video conferencing tools, communication tools that are out there, always on video rooms, those are all great. Absolutely. We should do as much of them as are suitable and appropriate, but they cannot replace face to face. That's just not a thing. Just to assume because technology is so great that we don't need face-to-face anymore is a myth. In teams, we want to strive for good vibes. On the surface, that sounds good. However, as always, we should remain curious to see what lies beneath that. Is that a sense of good vibes? Because it's a truly high-functioning, high-performing team with great productivity, great positivity. Or is it that the team has not actually learned to navigate positive, constructive conflicts with each other and is therefore holding back, which is quite natural in the very early stage of the team, in the forming stage. In our work as team coaches and team developers, we would want to support the team in learning the skills required to exchange those differences of opinion, to overcome those differences of opinion, exchange those different creative notions. That is ultimately what will help the team to create a better experience, a better product, a better service for the people that they are serving. Therefore, it would be better for us to not necessarily seek harmony in a team, but seek performance in a team. To ensure that the team can become a dream team, amp up what the team needs to in order to not only raise positivity, but also productivity. We've got another one here, a myth, which is about cross-pollination across teams by swapping team members. Usually, when I've observed that in organizations, it has been more an inadvertent cover-up for an organizational dysfunction. Imagine there was a team, and in the team, two team members don't get along. The team members, instead of this being resolved inside the team, go outside the team to the line manager, which in a good way is outside the team, that's what we want. But they raise that concern with, say, the lead of their discipline or profession or type of crafts that they're pursuing. And they raise a concern and then the only way that that leader believes is available for resolving that issue is to take that team member out of the team and swap them with a team member from another team. That might make sense for the individual. It's easier for them. But if we look at the organization as a whole, all we're doing is we're passing around the issue. We're not actually giving the people the skills to overcome the issue. I believe that's where we might be doing them a disservice, Not only professionally, but also personally. These skills are life skills. Learning how to offer feedback to other people, learning how to overcome conflict in a constructive way together with other people helps us to create better outcomes for everybody. So those are life skills, right? So if we don't practice that, if we don't create environments where we support people through these difficult moments... Inside uh, the team, we're actually doing him a disservice. And as an organization, we're covering up the issue. It gets passed around from team to team. In the, only the very rarest, rarest, rarest of cases, does it really happen where there is a complete clash between two characters? And I would argue, even in that case, that is only materializing because conflict has turned from good to bad to ugly. And we have passed the point of no return for the conflict between those two people. So we want to catch it earlier than that. This thing about cross-pollination might sound good, But actually, if it's at the cost of integrity of the team, because remember, every time we change the composition of the team, we're introducing a stranger to the team. So as a team as a whole, there's a loss of trust. And as a team as a whole, they're going back to the beginning of team development because they need to um, reform that web of trust to integrate that new member into there. So then, yeah, what about cross-pollination? If not this way, how do we do it? Well, one example could be, communities of practice okay so team members from each team come together in a forum where they exchange with like-minded people about what they uh, wants to work on uh, what they're working on what they're learning and passing that on and that is outside of the team but the team also benefits from it right because the team member comes back from the community of practice and injects what they've learned from the community of practice meeting into the team while at the same time upholding the integrity of the team. Wherever possible, we want to create an environment where the team can stay with integrity together in the same composition for as long as possible, right? Um, A team doesn't become a dream team overnight. It takes time for them to learn to be a team. It takes energy. It takes uh, support. It takes uh, learning of new skills. That takes time. And every time we're changing composition, back to start. So it just makes everything a lot more difficult. And it actually also then creates a disadvantage for the organization, right? Because we're losing productivity and performance every time that happens also. Some of these might be more common knowledge than others. If you have any other myths, please feel free to get back to me. This wraps up the initial episode of the Team Genius Podcast. As I teased in this episode, there are at least... Two other episodes planned already with specific content. I'm also working on putting the interview schedule together. So if you have any requests for what you would like to see covered on the Team Genius Podcast, let me know. With that, I would like to thank you for your attention over this medium and uh, look forward to your tuning in for the next episode of the Team Genius Podcast. I'm George Fashing. Always happy to be of service to you. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Team Genius Podcast with George fashing Subscribe now at Apple Podcast, Spotify and georgefashing.com